Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on cage.press.com. I'm Dan Kobe Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is back in the apex this weekend for UFC Vegas 79, headlined by Rafael Faziev versus Matthews Gamrot. We'll, of course, be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on the main card. It's part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think are going to make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, in addition to that, we're always bringing you guys the interviews you know and love. Kicking off the show this week is Therese Finney, who is going to be on Week 10 of Contender Series. He's talking about his gym, Agoge Combatives, and training with Trevor Peak. Plus, we'll be talking a little bit later with Connor Matthews, who's given his second crack at Contender Series this year, also on Week 10. But before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's well, it's really drinkable. And should you stretch before you drink it, certainly couldn't hurt. Game Up is not a hard seltzer because hard seltzers just didn't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own, and it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors orange, lemon, lime, fruit punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs. It's gluten-free. It's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak bagging badasses, tough mother mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicap hackers, committed cornhole huckers, and even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. Game Brent brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Therese Finney, who fights Jury Panferov at Dana White Contender Series. That's week 10, and that fight is on October 10th. So, Therese, I wanted to start here. You know, all the guys who get the call for the Contender Series, it's a big moment. What was it like when you got the call? Who told you? What was the reaction like? Well, man, you know, when I got the call, you know, we were – I had just got done fighting um, on a card the night before um, National Underground, and I had just got the win. It was funny – because my manager, he was there. We was there for the fight, and um, my one of the, my management team was like, "Let's get the video so we can send it off to the uh, send it off to the matchmakers." And dude, we couldn't get the video to send it off to the matchmakers because the uh, the site was down. Uh, but lo and behold, we was able to get it early in the morning. And about like four to five hours later, man, um, manager manager called me. He said, "What you doing on October 10th? And I knew exactly what he meant because. Like I knew all the dates. I know all the dates of contender series in my head. I was like, man, I'm I know like which dates of what. And I was actually targeting, I was like, man, I hope they call me for like October 3rd or any of those days. But you know, hey, I I've got it in October. It's my birthday month, so I'm excited. And uh yeah, that's how I got the call. That's awesome. So you you had, had contender series on your mind even before your last fight happened. Yeah, we you know, I mean, obviously nothing is guaranteed, um, but it was more of like, man. Let's get this win and uh, hopefully we get on contender. You know, that was a part of the goal. You know, we have a plan. 
me and my coach just set out a plan, and one of the plans was to get a certain amount of fights in on the year and, like, get on this year's this year's contender, man. We, we completed the plan, and now the goal is to make it into the UFC, which was also a part of the plan. Well, that's awesome. Now, I, I got to ask, too, because th this plan has come together pretty quickly, right? Like, you've only really been in MMA for, like, three years officially in, like, a year and a half as a pro, and here we are talking about you being at the very highest level. So what is it like for everything to have, like, come together so fast and so quickly? Man, you know, it's funny. I talk about that a good bit, man. It, it has come together fast. Um, it is it's, it's wild, actually. You know, I, I just got done playing football. Like I said, I was telling my coach today, like, it just don't feel like so long ago where I was just playing college football. <laughs> and, you know, now I'm about to fight. Literally, we're in the main event on the Dana White Contender Series of the last week. Like, that's, you know, I, that is special to me because uh, I, I've done I've done a lot, you know, had to overcome a lot of a lot of different things throughout my entire athletic career. And to be able to be where I'm at now is, is very special. But, yeah, man, the journey is – the journey – I feel like it's been long, but obviously to most it's like, oh, man, three years, that's quick. And I'm like, well, when you think about it, it's been quick, man, because actually which, that's why I'm so excited to fight, you know, obviously on October, especially October 10th. That will be exactly three years and one week since I had my first ever uh, MMA fight. So exactly three years up to the point now where I'm about to get ready and fight, you know, on one of the biggest stage on the biggest stage of MMA in the world is uh, pretty awesome, man. That is awesome. And you mentioned coming from a football background. What sort of led you to MMA? Was it just that, you know, football's done, I got to do something to stay competitive? Or was there maybe something else that, you know, sort of led you to get into MMA? Well, well, for me, um, I was all, um, I played football for so long. You know, I've been playing football since I was four years old. But also, I've been wrestling also all my life. And uh, when COVID hit, man, you know you go to the you go through that time now where you're like, man, I know the the opportunity of me making it to the NFL is uh slim, it's not happening. So you have to start looking at uh, other options. And and when COVID hit, um, I have found this gym, man. I found this gym called the Gogi Combatives, and I walked in, man. You know, with nothing knowing, and it was just just like really a really fun experience. Obviously, on the first time, I was like, man, I got to learn this stuff. And, you know, I'm seeing the striking coach with my striking coach, Coach Larry Scott, and I had done the jiu-jitsu class with my coach, Matt Harris. And, um, man, it, it was it was phenomenal. It was pretty phenomenal. And I was like, man, this is what I want to do. So we used to have the COVID um, um, lockdown stuff for us on football because we didn't know we was going to have a football season. Mm -hmm. So what we were doing, it would make sure, like, it would keep in, like, a watch of us. Like, nobody was allowed to come in or go out of the dorms for the first two weeks when you got back on campus. And for me – <laughs> I was sneaking out. So I go to train every day. Cause I didn't I was like, man, we're probably not even gonna have a football season, which we only had one game, but but at the end they gave everybody back an uh, extra year of eligibility. But I didn't I ain't gonna lie to you. I really didn't. Once I found MMA, because I had fought uh a few weeks right before that one game we had on the season, I was like, man, this is what I wanna do. This is exactly what I wanna do. So so I, I got to know the story about you sneaking out. That are we are we going out windows? Are we dropping down fire escape? <laughs> how, how are we getting to MMA when when there's COVID lockdowns? Well, I'm gonna tell you something, man. Look, there's a lot of look. There's a lot of holes in the in the dorm rooms you guys don't know about. <laughs> they think they know uh, all the ways out, but <laughs> I knew all the ways out, man. So, uh, but yeah, I was able to sneak out, and I'll tell you a good, one good story is um. So my first amateur fight it was during that time, mm -hmm. and. 
I was I was second string nose guard at the time, and I was playing a little bit, and I played sixty snaps in that scrimmage. Then Coach Maders run twelve one hundred yard sprints after. I left practice. After I left practice, I went straight to, uh, well, straight to the locker room, showered up, boom, headed to a gogi, go go with my coach. He took me all the way, uh, to Knoxville, and when I got to Knoxville, I slept all the way through, man, and I am like toasted. I'm like, who, man, it's gonna be rough. I was like, I gotta get this guy out of here. But lo and behold, I was able to go in there, and I, I got the knockout in 11 seconds. So, you know, I was able to – I had practice football, ran sprints, and then had to fight the same day. So, it was uh... – that, That's insane. <laughs> Would you have had the, the stamina to go more than 11 seconds? Like, what was the match that day? I, I, I hey, no telling. that. Especially at that time, <laughs> I was a big boy at that time. I, heck, that fight was at catch rate at 2.15. So, I was a big boy at that time. So, I no, no telling – for sure, I love. I was gonna go, but uh, but man, it was uh, pretty awesome, and uh, yeah, man, the journey has is started in uh, 2020, and we're trying to keep that thing going once again on uh, October 10th. Absolutely. Now you've you've mentioned your gym a couple of times, and I do have to ask too because I, I've interviewed your teammate Trevor Peak. Actually, the first time I interviewed him, he brought up your name specifically as you know a guy from the gym that people should keep an eye on. What what has it sort of been like being able to see you know a teammate from a small gym like that? Go through literally exactly what you're about to go through and, and sort of be guidance for you. Well, man, it's actually very huge, man, you know, to be able to have one, you know, not necessarily him as an experiment, but you see the path, you know, you see, oh, okay, this is what we do. All right, we're going to do it like this. Oh, this is what we don't want to do next time, when, for, you know, for me or for whoever we have along the line to come through the gym, you know. So it's a learning process along the way for all of us. I mean, heck, you know, as we just saw announced, uh, Trevor's, you know, getting ready to go to Abu Dhabi. I'm sure there's going to be a whole lot of learning paths going <laughs> going through that entire thing. So, uh, but yeah, man, with his entire contender uh, series experience, heck, he's going with me next uh, next week to Vegas for the promo shoot and all of that sorts. And um, you know, he's he's been really helpful with me along the journey. You know, big focal part of part, part of my fight camp. And uh, yeah, he gives me a lot of good tips, man. So I'm very thankful for Trevor, man. I'm so thankful that he was able to choose to find a gym like us and. Uh, Man, it's been a blessing. Been a blessing. Absolutely. Now, I also obviously have to ask, because he talked about this last time I, I spoke with him, is he said it's been crazy, the reception he's gotten. Because, you know, he's just a, a guy from a small town, and all of a sudden people want pictures with him. Are, are, have you been seeing that when you're around him, like having to get stopped for pictures with, you know, a guy who you just been training with for a couple of years seems like, you know, everyday guy? Oh yes! Oh my God! <laughs> Look, dude, people love some Trevor Peak, man. You know they love the hammer fist. They love the country accent. I mean, uh, there's this restaurant called Twin Peaks. You know, Twin Peaks, Trevor Peak. It was so. It was too easy. And uh, you know, Twin Peaks known for having all the girls there. So you know, they get it in pictures, man. He got one picture. He got like 20, 25 girls all around. <laughs> So, uh, but man, it's, it's awesome for Trevor, man. He's definitely doing the thing. And uh, I'm excited for his fight coming up, man. We, I'm excited. It's going to be a big time, uh, a resurgence of Trevor Peak, man. He's going to come in there and do the thing. So I'm excited for him. Well, we're excited for that too. But of course, before we, we talk about that, we're going to talk about your fight. You're going to fight a guy in Yuri Panvaraz who who's kind of known for his work on the ground. You know, you mentioned you come from a wrestling background, but he's a guy with five submissions. His only other win is by ground and pound. So he, he's largely been getting things done on the ground. How do you feel like your wrestling game and, and what you do matches up with him? Um, I feel like it matches up really well, man. You know, I look at, I look at Yuri, uh, 
he he's done a lot of good things. He has, like I said, he got all these first round finishes, um, and most of them come by submission. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of people don't really know all of my game per se. I think a lot of people they see what I bring to the table because they just see like most of the time what I just do with my wrestling or with my ground and pound, you know, but I have a lot more things I can bring to the table and um, I'm excited to show, you know, show the world what I'm able to do. Uh, I, I, I'm i excited for the matchup. You know, I really like the test. I felt like I fought guys, you know, very, that have been able to push me. I've been able to train with guys that have been able to really push me, especially in the grappling area. So um, I'm excited to go, up, uh, go against Yuri. And we're excited for it as well. Now, before I let any fighter go, I always got to ask the question. Some love it, some hate it. But what's your prediction for uh, October 10th? How's this one end? Um, I always say I never make predictions, but one thing I do predict, I will have my hand raised at the end of the night. Yes, I will have my hand raised, and I will be getting that UFC contract. That's the only prediction I make. However any way it comes, we'll see, but I never make predictions. But um, I got a good feeling in my head of how it's going to go. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Therese Finney, who fights Yuri Panferov at Dana White's Contender Series. That's week 10. And once again, that's on October 10th. Therese, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Daniel. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Therese Finney. I once again, I'm Daniel Gubby Breland. Join now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we obviously have to start here. Noche UFC was this past weekend with a title fight between Valentina Shoshenko and Alexa Grasso. Ending in a draw, a very odd draw, because one way or the other, you could have scored it for either fighter. I don't think anybody would have had any beef, but instead, somebody gives a weird 10-8 round. We get this draw, and of course, this begs the question, what do we do now? Are we headed for a trilogy for between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko, or is it time for, you know, insert Aaron Blanchfield or insert Manon Firo here uh, to mix it up a little bit? What's, what say you? The answer is Blanchfield. I think Blanchfield won the fight on Saturday. I don't care who won between Grasso and Shevchenko. It is time to see some new blood at the top. That is Aaron Blanchfield. Blanchfield deserves the title shot, and that's really all I care to see. And they could do the rematch for Grasso and Shevchenko pending the outcome of Blanchfield and her title shot. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. And, and I, I, you know, I really think right at this point, Aaron Blanchfield and Manon Firo are 1A, 1B. Like, I, I don't think there's a wrong move on either of those ones. But I will say the piece that just edges it forward a little bit for me in terms of Aaron Blanchfield is there's the narrative, right? She's going to be the youngest women's champion ever should she happen to win that fight. Let, let's not wait around in, until she's too old to actually accomplish that. Like, let's just get her a title shot while she has a chance to make history. And in the meantime, I'm just going to say this. Why doesn't Valentina Shevchenko go be the Bantamweight champion? Because she would wreck every single woman in that division now that Amanda Nunes is gone. Let her go beat the hell out of Juliana Pena. Go be a champion up there. Then she can be double champion. She can make her own little slice of history. Weight cuts are dead. I mean, like, for me, uh, it's time for a fresh challenger, and there's better things for Valentina to be up to. I agree with that sentiment completely. And I'll tell you what else I agree on. That's moving on to our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, for what I think is a sneaky banger of a fight night card. I'm excited about a few fights for this coming Saturday. So let's break it all down. We'll give you a couple of fights we like, a couple of parlays to play, a dog we like. We're pretty good at what we do, so you might want to take notes. Gumby, let's do it. But before we start, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, Parlays? Absolutely. Fight Sucking Parlay is brought to you by X Marshall. If you want to pick up some of the best year in martial arts, you got to check out X Marshall. 
From rash guards to shorts, streetwear to training equipment, they've got you covered. X Marshall is one of the fastest growing brands out there. And for a reason, the quality of their product is second to none. They're taking style to the next level. And they really do have a design for every taste and personality. So go check them out, xmarshall.com, and use promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, for 10% off everything in the store. All right. Well, let's break it down. Starting with the main event, Raphael Fiziev is a minus 160 favorite. Mateus Gamrud, a plus 135 dog. So pretty close odds here. Let's really, uh, you know, kick it around and dive into the weeds on this one. Fiziev coming off the loss to Justin Gaethje via majority decision. He was undefeated in the UFC up until that point. So, or excuse me, actually, he debuted on a loss and then reeled off six wins in a row. So he is six and two total in the UFC is Raphael Fiziev. Mateus Gamrut, kind of a similar story. He debuted on a loss back in October of 2020, then reeled off four wins in a row, ran into a unanimous decision loss to Benil Darush, and then came back and won over Jalen Turner via split decision back in March. So in the UFC total, he is five and two, six and two going against five and two. Gamrut, the dog, who you got? I'm actually going to go with Matthews Gamera. I, I think for me, the difference maker here, I think, is the wrestling. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the loss at the beginning of his career. I really didn't think he'd lost that fight. I thought he had controlled uh, Garam Kutataladze and did enough damage on the ground that he should have won. And like, look, his fight with Benil Dariush was really close too. What kind of guy goes in and tries to take Benil Dariush down 100 times? And look, he succeeded four times and was never in any real damage. I also like how he looks in a five-round fight. You know, if you look at that Armand Sarukian fight he had, which went five rounds as a main event back in June of 2022, he got six takedowns there against a much better wrestler in Armand Sarukian than Fizievez. And, you know, Fizievez has always had kind of good takedown defense, but in his last three fights, he's fought three guys who have better wrestling than he's used to facing. And he's actually had trouble with all of them. All of them have scored a takedown. And that's Brad Riddell, Rafael Dos Anjos, and look, Justin Gaethje actually used his wrestling for once and took down Faziev. So for me, that just says, I think Faziev is the kind of opponent that Gamrat could put a pace on and he can put certainly a lot of grappling exchanges on him. He'll nullify that striking a little bit that is so dangerous and maybe tire him out uh, en route to getting some success with the wrestling. So I'm going to go dog with Gamrat. Wow, I really like that pick. Um, I'm going to stay with Fiziev, and I'm going to stay by decision, but I like everything you laid out on Gamrot. Bryce Mitchell is a 205 favorite to Dan Ige, a plus 170 dog. Mitchell came out like a house on fire in the UFC, uh, debuted all the way back in 2018, reeled off six wins in a row before running into Ili Tapirura, uh, lost via arm triangle choke. That was back in December of 2022. So a strong uh, eight, almost nine months off for him. And now coming back against Dan Ige, who finds himself on a two-fight win streak here. Wins over Damon Jackson via KO and Nate Landwer uh, via unanimous decision. He had lost three in a row before that to Chan Sung Jung, Josh Emmett, Masfar Avlov. So two and three in his last five is Dan Ige. Uh, he's been doing the damn thing in the UFC since uh, 2017. Uh, and in the UFC as a whole, he is 10 and five. Who you got here? I'm actually going to go dog-dog out the gate here. I, I like Dan Ige in this spot, mostly just because uh, two things. I think Aaliyah Tapuria drew a pretty damn good blueprint on how to beat Bryce Mitchell, um, and that's just forcing the box. You know, and, and not that Bryce Mitchell hasn't, you know, that hasn't been the game plan on him for everybody, but Dan Ige is low-key not the worst wrestler in the world, right? Like, obviously, he had trouble with Movsar Evloev. 
but Evloev has got really good grappling. So like, I think we can write that off. And apart from that, Ige has looked good in stuffing takedowns. The last two fights, he's done a great job of it. I think his hands are obviously better than Bryce Mitchell. The winner of this fight basically comes down to who gets to dictate where this fight goes. And I really do think Ige can keep it on the feet enough to really hurt Bryce Mitchell over and over and over again here. Um, And I'll say this too. I'm also just like a little bit worried about Bryce Mitchell's health. Um, You know, you mentioned the time off after the Ige fight. He's pulled out of a couple of fights. I'm not sure he's in a good spot to fight. Um, and up against a guy like Dan Ige, who's, hey, look, he's knocked down his opponent in each of his last three wins. And, and for me, you know, that's pretty significant up against the guy who is going to be at a pretty substantial striking disadvantage. All right. Um, no disagreements with me from that. I actually also will take the favorite in that one, but I really like the cases you're laying out for dogs here. Um, so no huge argument for me, uh, but my money will stay with the favorites on both the aforementioned fights. Marina Rodriguez is a minus 310 favorite to Michelle Watterson, a plus 210 dog. You want to talk about recent records? It's pretty ugly for both. Marina Rodriguez is on a two-fight losing streak. Michelle Watterson on a three-fight win streak. If you want to peel it back even further, Michelle Watterson is one and five in her last six, dating back to 2019. Who you got here? I'm going with Marina Rodriguez. I, I just think. Look, Michelle Watterson's best days are behind her. Um, you know, it, it, her drop-off has been substantial uh, since coming to the UFC. You know, those early days with wins over, like, you know, Angela Magana and Paige Van Zant and that split over Courtney Casey, th- those wins didn't age all that well. And now you see her up against the top of the division, and she's fighting people like Ioana Janjacek, Carla Esparza, Amanda Lemos. And look, she also lost to Marina Hodhiguez. Like, I, I feel like we're, we're overlooking the fact that this is a rematch I think Hadiga should be a way bigger favorite here. I think she should easily take out Michelle Watterson. All right. Our actual official dog of the week is Ricardo Ramos, a plus 125. Break it down. Yeah, I just think Hamos has a way better. So he's going to be fighting Charles Jordan. I, I think he's got way better wrestling. I think he's got good pace. Um, we've obviously seen him with the crazy knockouts and the spinning back elbows. He's the only guy to hit two spinning back elbows in his whole career, um, which is an insane thing to say. But I actually do really like the way he grapples, too. And the thing we know about Charles Jordan, loves a good striking battle. I think Hamos can hang with him with the striking. But I also think that, like, there's a good chance Hamos just turns this into a gritty grappling match. And I don't think Charles Jordan can hold up for that. So the fact that he's plus 125 and has such a clear path to victory, I'm liking that a lot. All right, and our parlay to play this week is Mizuki Inoue, a minus 310, and Dan Argeta, a minus 185. Pair those two very strong favorites, three to three to one, two to one favorites, but it does get you slight plus money at plus 104. Let's hear it. Yeah, so first of all, Mizuki Inoue, we, we've been missing her for a little while. She hasn't fought since all the way back in 2020, but yet here she is as a negative 330 favorite. And part of that is because she's such a great prospect and she's still pretty young. Like she's, she's only 29 years old despite having the time off. And what we saw from her before was that she has excellent boxing. She's very strong in the clinch and she's going to be fighting Hannah Goldie, who we've seen so far in her time in the USC has just struggled with people who are stronger than her. You know, she's short, she's stocky, she's very muscly, but if anybody can deal with her strength and kind of not get bullied, they beat the hell out of her. We saw Molly McCann beat her up, Deanna Bobicha, even Miranda Granger really beat her up uh, in her debut. And I think that's just because she needs to be the bully. I don't think she can be the bully within a way, so I love the price there. And with Dan Argueta, you know, I, I think I wrote off how good this dude's wrestling was. And in his last fight, 
He looked absolutely outstanding uh, against Ronnie Lawrence. So I think Miles John's a guy who, you know, ha- has had a little bit of trouble with his gas tank in the past. And I think, you know, sort of relies on his own wrestling is really going to struggle here with Argetta. So at negative 185, I love Argetta there. And when you can pair them together and get plus money, makes all the sense in the world to me. All right. Well, that wraps it up for fights, dogs, and parlays for this week. Let us know how we did. Did we do you right? Did we do you dirty with some of these picks? At Top Turtle MMA on the social media hellscape sites. Gumby, we're having a party here. Let's not let it stop. What should we do next? We're going to transition now to my interview with Connor Matthews, who is back for his second run on Dana White's Contender Series. And we're going to get to that interview for you right now. All right, and joining me today is Connor Matthews, who fights Yair Farias at week 10 of Dana White's Contender Series. That fight is on October 10th. So, Connor, before we get into talking about that fight with Yair, I want to talk about your last fight, obviously. You know, you're coming off of being on the Contender Series. I guess that's not your last fight. You fought for Combat Zone. But, you know, your last fight on Contender Series, you have that tough fight with Francis Marshall. You know, it kind of went away that, like, nobody really saw that fight going yeah was was there like a big letdown after that did you you know was it a uh, game planning issue like what how did you feel about that one after it was all over um yeah i i did underestimated francis first of all from what i saw before i went into the fight with him but um overall i mean francis is a tough kid and he went on there and proved it um he has really good striking which i didn't expect in that fight his wrestling was really good also there's a lot of flaws in my game at the time uh, so uh yeah, they, Francis gave me a really tough fight, and um, it went the distance. Uh, both we went out there, we put everything out there, and you know he got the contract at the end of the night. And you know my props off to Francis. I trained with him after. Great kid. Really want nothing for the best for the guy. So he's a really tough kid. So he's gonna be great uh, in the UFC as well. That that's awesome to hear. So you you got a little bit of time to train with him afterwards. What what was that like knowing you know you guys had been in there for fifteen minutes together? Uh, I mean, it was fine, man. There's nothing to prove at that point. You know what I mean? It was just, it went just so I was about building, making each other better, telling us, telling us things that he saw and what I saw, you know what I mean? So just sharing information back and forth. And uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was really cool. That's awesome. Now you, you kind of mentioned in there, I usually like to ask, did you feel like it was an issue of execution or do you feel like it was an issue of holes? You, you mentioned that you felt like there were some holes in your game. What were some of the things that you walked away from that being like, you know, I got to patch that up before the next one. Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, definitely mentality of the way I could strike. You know, in, in, in the lower level leagues, you can kind of get away with going in there and trying to finish somebody real quick. And you get used to that happening. Like, as soon as you get your hands touched with somebody, you know, when they're done. When you get to the higher levels, these guys are a lot – they can take a lot more damage than the guys on the local level. So, um, that's one thing. You know, even in the beginning of the fight, I was doing pretty good against Francis. I strike and I hit him hard a couple times and, you know, he didn't go anywhere. He was still there. So, you know, that was something I needed to work, work on. Um, and just the, the, by the way I was training before I was, I wasn't training right now. I'm at New England cartel. I trained with, uh, coach Tyson Chartier and Rob Font, Calvin Cater and all those guys. And I would spar with those guys back then, but I wasn't working with them, working with them on, on day in and day, like every single day. So now I work with those guys. That's all I do. My entire fight camp is I'm working four days a week. I drive an hour and 45 minutes to go do it there and back. And it's totally worth it. So it's just a total mentality and different switch, switch up in my game. I love that. Now that, like you said, it's a switch up from the way that you were training yeah. Was that immediate? Did that you decide right away? Like I got to do something different before I go back to those fights on the regional scene, or was there, you know, a little time where you were trying to think of what the next move was? Um, no, I kind of, I kind of, it was 
happened. Everything happened for a reason. Um, right after that fight, I realized that, you know what I mean? I, I needed to make some changes up and where I was, what I was at. So I did that right away. Um, you know, and Tyson was just, was, was, you know, I was fortunate enough that I had a relationship with Tyson and he's like, yeah, man, come train, come, come work with us. And I did. And, uh, you know, I just felt, cause I had my first fight with working with them for full camp for my contender series, uh, not contender series, Dana White's looking for a fight. And, um, so I had a good performance on that. So I could really knew it was going to, you know, that from there on out there, yeah, I'm with these guys. These guys really know what they're doing. What he's, you know, he's been there. He's done that. He's fought guys at the highest level. So that's what I needed to do. Well, I was going to ask you about that combat zone fight too. Cause you get that fight on Dana White's looking for a fight. A lot of guys have to go back to the regional scene fight for, you know, CES another couple of times or cage Titans a couple of times, or, you know, find their way back. You get in front of the boss right away. You get one more chance to do it right away. Uh, did you feel extra pressure in there on that combat zone fight that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're do basically doing contender series again. Yeah. I, I felt it was less pressure. Um, you know, fighting up on the stage, fighting at the apex, going from real bright lights to that. It still, still felt a step down. And we, I, I know Dana was there and everything. And um, I was the main event, but uh, I feel like that's where I, I belong. I, you know what I mean? I, I belong fighting, you know, in the UFC. So coming back to there, I didn't feel as much pressure. Um, you know, and I, I think that you could see that in my performance. I was very calm and I was very relaxed. I just, you know, I picked the kid apart the way I should have because I deserved to be at the next level. For sure. And and obviously, you know, he's there in attendance. We saw the Instagram yep. post. We got, we kind of figured put two and two together with all of it. Did you yeah. know right after that fight that this was coming again, that you were going to be on again? Uh, no, I didn't know. I was, I was hoping, you know what I mean? Cause I knew I, I with, even with the contender series, I see, I watch it a lot and I see guys, you know, they, they win their fights and he doesn't give them a contract. So, you know, nothing's guaranteed. So you really want to go out there and like keep that mentality really impressing him. So I wasn't sure if I did enough in that fight because I didn't knock him out. You know what I mean? That's the way I was thinking. I like, took his back and choked him out. I was like, ah, hopefully maybe you wanted to see more devastating knockout. So, um, but, you know, I was fortunate. He, I went in and talked to him in the back. He said he was very impressed with my performance, and I was in the shop back on Contender Series. I'm very, very grateful and a little bit lucky for it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to talk about that fight in just a second. Before we do, I always like to ask fighters for their fight nickname story. And you're, you're a guy who – I keep seeing different fight nicknames for you, honestly. Like, sometimes I see Bad News Matthews. Sometimes I see the controller. You, you know, you got the controller yeah. logo that pops up everywhere. What? Yeah. Give me the origin. Why Why are there uh, two of them in the first place? <laughs> the original the original nickname was Bad News Matthews. So that's what um, all the old old guys used to tell, call me back in the day. But then I served in the military. So I served in the military in special operations um, as a U.S. Air Force combat controller from 2013 to 2019. So that's where I got the controller nickname from. So I kind of went with that after. But some of the old, the old Gs, they still <laughs> call me uh, Bad News. So when we make it to the show and I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be a little glibier, but like when we make yeah. it to the show, which one's getting Bruce Buffer saying it out loud? <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be Connor, the controller. I, I represent that my combat control community and I want people to know who they are and what we do. So everybody knows who Navy SEALs are, special forces and all those guys. We don't really get a lot of uh, spotlight. So I want to, you know, shed some, shed some light on our community. I dig that. I dig that. Now let's get to talking about the fight. You're fighting Farias here who, He's a lot different than than Francis Marshall, right? Like if you watch the tape on him, yeah, doesn't look like him, doesn't fight like him. You know, he's yeah, he's almost six foot tall at featherweight. He's a boxer. He trains with those guys down at Fighting Nerds who've been pretty damn successful lately. 
you know, yep. how do you feel like your skills and your style of fighting matches up with a guy who's, you know, like, like I said, very different than Francis Marshall. Yeah. It's a completely different body type uh, than I've ever fought, to be honest. Um, I feel that, uh, it's I actually kind of like it uh, because I'm more comfortable, I think, than this guy going to the ground. Um, so that he has the, if he has that in the back of his head, I you know that's that's already have an advantage, and that's when the striking usually comes out is when you have people thinking about worrying about one thing, and then I can you know strike with them. I I'm a good striker as well. I know I didn't really perform that well with my Francis Marshall fight, um, but you know there's some other things that play for that. But I am a good striker. I know I can hang. I, I spar. I strike with Calvin Cater and Rob Font, the best, you know, some of the best boxers in the UFC um, all the time. So, and I know how I do against them. So I, I'll be able to deal with the striking. I'm not too worried about it. But, you know, um, I'm ready to bring the fight wherever it goes. I want to be a complete martial artist. That's my that's my whole goal is like, like Volkanovski. I'm a big fan because he's just so complete in every single aspect. And I really respect that. That's what I really like is is don't have this thing in your head where like I am this and that's all I do. I have this idea in your head that I can do it all. And, my, and I am a mixed martial artist is my mentality. I dig that. Now, you, you mentioned feeling comfortable striking with him. Is that with, you know, your complete game that you've had before, or is a lot of that because of all of the extra help you've had from Calvin Cater, Tyson Chartier, Rob Font? Do you feel like this last couple of weeks has basically got you perfectly set up to fight a guy just like this? There's a lot of that working with those guys that, you know, I get in that level of training all the time. And another big thing is I got a new striking coach um, this last last year, right after my fight, not by not by choice, is I have my own spot, my own gym. And he kind of started teaching at my gym. So me and him started working together and we've been working so much defense and with MMA is different than I used to spar a lot with boxing gloves on and kickboxing style. And that's what I did growing up because I was uh, I I did kickboxing and boxing and stuff. So I used to spar with those kind of gloves. And I was good in that, but like, I wasn't used to the small gloves. Putting the small gloves on is a whole new element. So we've been working a lot of defense and a lot of working with the small gloves on. And I think that's been a huge change that I needed to have before my uh, Francis Marshall fight that I didn't. And so we do that now, and I feel like my striking is going to come out a lot better now. Well, that's awesome to hear. Now, usually I like to end these things with a prediction. So uh, give me, how's this one end come October 10th? Um, I think I'm going to get a finish in this fight. I'm, I'm really feeling it. I'm, I'm, I think it's going to be a TKO. That's, that's going to be my, my, uh, things. I'm going to, I'm going to, these guys going to feel the power of my hands. Um, even though he's smaller, I mean, sorry, he's bigger and taller and longer and I might be shorter than him, but I pack, I pack a pretty powerful punch. So, um, I think it's going to be going to his head. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Ben Connor Matthews, who fights Jair Farias on week 10 of Dana White's Contender Series. That fight, once again, October 10th. Connor, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Awesome. Appreciate it. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Game Up Heart Hydration and X Marshall. And remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Vreeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We will catch you then.